Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And I'm Nick. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. We're going to head into some film news for the week. We're going to do a full review of Stephen Summers' G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra in preparation for G.I. Joe Retaliation next week. And then finally we'll get into some food for thought if we have some time left over. So, Willie, what have you been watching? Um, I have been watching... A ton of parks and recreation. <laughs> that's yes. about it. Honestly, that's that's all I've been watching. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a funny show. It it reminds me of The Office at it, during its prime, um, which was I think season two and season three. Yeah. Um, you know, it took a couple more seasons after that for me to stop watching The Office, but um, just because I like the characters enough to keep watching it. But Parks and Rec is still there. I'm I'm like. Right at the beginning of season four. Okay. So we'll see. Obviously, this yeah. is this is where things could could change. I think because they usually do with comedy shows, which is yeah. weird. Like there's this weird, it's like the sophomore slump happens in season four, <laughs> and it either recovers from that like pretty quickly or it never does. Yeah. Um, like always sunny. I feel the same way about that. Season mm-hmm. four was where I was like. Mm. Yep, that's probably where I stopped. Did it watching. get better or did it get worse? For me, I just gave up because I didn't think... I, mean, I haven't I, seen any of season four. There were very funny episodes in the seasons after, that the bits I caught, but um, nothing that, that matched the first couple, in no. my opinion. No. Um, so, But no, I, I really enjoy that. And then I've been kind of finally <clears throat> caught up on The Walking Dead 2. Okay. Um, season 3. Season Which three. We have one. We have the finale left on Sunday, I think. Yep, yep. And this this show has been kind of a roller coaster ride for me, um, because I've I go from hating it to loving it to just kind of liking it to hating it. it it's weird. I I feel different week to week about it because there's some episodes that are really, really, really cool, and the writing's amazing on it, and and the characters feel um, really fleshed out and very interesting, and and have some really cool little arcs going on. And there's other episodes where I'm like, it's zombie shoot show. <laughs> Whereas it, there's there's nothing uh, there's nothing interesting beyond the the special effects. And then there's other episodes where it's like, for God's sake, somebody get up and do something, yeah. anything, you know? Yeah. Um, I still, it's strange that actually it's not strange. There are three seasons in now. They're going on four, mm-hmm. and they still haven't found the right middle ground between human drama and zombie killing mm-hmm. you know the action and the drama they still haven't found it they also still haven't found a permanent showrunner and that <laughs> seriously though i think that that has something to do with it and what yeah. really bums me out is um i think darabont um i think darabont was really good for the show frank darabont first season showrunner yep show <clears throat> creator well developer yeah really. i mean he's the one that took the took the comic and said i want to make this a show and then frank darabont's an amazing amazing director i mean i love the mist i love shawshank redemption uh, he's awesome yeah. so i was really bummed to see him go and then glenn mazara stepped on and and i was nervous about it at first and and i didn't like his stuff at first and then as i as, i'm like okay it's getting better, yeah. and now as soon as I'm really starting to kind of the last few, four episodes or so, I've really enjoyed. He's uh, he's gone, yeah. And we're back to another showrunner, and I just uh, I don't I don't think I want to go through another season of hey the, in- the, the, inconsistent. The, <clears throat> yeah, the the yeah. premiere is really good. I'm really into it, and then from that point forward up until the last few episodes, it sucks. Yeah, I it's it, I I'll say season three is way better about it than season two is. Season two. 
dies like two episodes in. Well, yeah, doing doing part to the whole searching for Sophia storyline. Yeah. Um, oh, Lordy. It just drags on yeah. and on and on and on. Especially if you were watching it week to week. I've heard it's not as bad if you watch it. All in one go. All in one go. It Obviously, it seems like a shorter span of time, but... Okay. Um, when you're waiting a month and a half for them to find Sophia, basically. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yeah. Exactly. yeah I, I watched them all in, like, season two. I watched it all in, like, two days. And I was still annoyed, so... <laughs> so you can only imagine. Yeah, I, yeah. I, no, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... It's beyond the scope of me. <laughs> it's, uh... But it's it's improved somewhat. I'm liking where it's, where it's at right now, and I'm just waiting for something to ruin it, so... Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's it's like the show's gone through some pretty bad growing pains every time they've switched showrunners, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how season three is. Yeah, I mean, uh, you or know... season four, excuse me. It's... Knowing knowing what I know from the comics, and I'm not going to spoil anything on this, um, but knowing what I know from the comics, I'm really wondering where we, do we go from here? Yeah. How soon... Where do we go <laughs> from here? Sorry. How do we For the Buffy fans out there that aren't <laughs> listening. Where do we go? Like, what's the next logical step in the storyline? Because I don't think the stuff that happens next in the comics is, is logical for the show. Mm-mm. So I'm both excited and nervous to see what that is. But, yeah. Okay. Fair, fair assessment. Nick, what have you been watching? Oh, Jesus, I haven't even been thinking about it now the whole time you've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, The Walking Dead. Yeah, no. Side by side again. Uh, yeah, really. I, I wanted to. Um, I did watch a movie. What did I watch? Mother of God. What genre was it? Mother should, of God by probably. Alex Proyas. I don't know. We you should can. we should narrow it down for help narrow it down for Nick right now. <laughs> what is the genre, sir? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> you should just go. Let me and let me narrate that Nick is going to his Netflix app. I am. He's working okay. it out as we speak. Yeah, think about it. I just have a few TV shows and a book to talk about. Ooh, wait, this is not what, I've hey, been, what have you been reading? I've been mm. watching pages flow in front of my face. Um, Good. So, I finished Friday Night Lights, season five of Friday Night Lights, <gasps> the final season. Sad face. It's very depressing. Oh. I'm so sad that there's no more of that show to there's watch. There's a void. Poor baby. Yes, and I, you know, it's it's interesting because I know people have been clamoring for a movie since it went off the air in like 2011. But um, I don't necessarily see that working out. And they bring closure to everything. Like, you get you get closure to a lot of the storylines that go on, but you could see that there was really a direction that they were heading and that they really ended up speeding up a lot of the storylines that they were They were never up. able to see it through. Yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't fully realize it. And, was it um, a shortened season? Was the final season well, a shortened one? No, or? the first season... The interesting thing about Friday Night Lights, the first season was 22 episodes. Mm-hmm. It's a 42-minute long show. Hour long. Um, but after that, season 2 through 5 are all 13-episode seasons. Really? Uh, well, one of them might be like 15 episodes or something like okay. that. But they're, they're, it's, they're shorter than the, the first season. And... Um, Season after season three, it got canceled from NBC, and then Directv picked it up. And, I did not know that. And then NBC started like they had a deal where NBC would air, would have first run of like broadcast TV, the big three networks of Friday Night Lights to play. So it was an interesting arrangement, but yeah. uh, I'll have to, I just have to say it's it's a fantastic show. Um, 
they they wrap things up in a pretty neat bow at the end and that's uh, good my favorite shows never get that it, it I, it's it's one of those things where i think they did see it they they definitely saw it coming but uh i really wish there was more and i wish they had the time to flesh out the people that they would have fleshed out because mm-hmm. they were just starting to take some of the characters into really interesting directions and you know they had to rush it all in the end just to get it wrapped up and it doesn't it doesn't feel like horribly rushed some of the rushing is kind of incorporated into the story really mm-hmm. but uh it's still very good definitely worth a watch so check out friday night lights all five seasons um finished up game of thrones season two those last two episodes are some of the best yes exactly <laughs> the huge bow <laughs> yes the gigantic bow that braun braun has but uh best part of the whole season <laughs> <laughs> yeah those last two episodes are pretty action-packed and crazy mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff going on uh, a few of the characters are kind of left in in places that are like okay well they're going somewhere but they kind of started out in the same like yeah there's not a lot of that's that was one of my bigger complaints about season two and it can't be blamed on the showrunners or anybody because they are sticking pretty close to the books from what I understand but like characters like um, Daenerys doesn't really make a lot of forward momentum no and well even less so Arya Arya Stark but makes very little yeah yeah so um, but still very awesome Jack and Hagar so awesome oh yeah <laughs> yes Game of Thrones Boba Fett <laughs> yes um, absolutely very excited for the season premiere on Sunday However, I end up checking it out because I don't have HBO. But <laughs> we'll make it happen for you. Buddy. We'll figure something out. Um, Do you still have it? We will have. We, I, I will have HBO. Just I, I subscribe to HBO for, for a few Game months of Thrones. just for Game of Thrones, and then I can't. We have it. HBO Go at my at my place too. So yeah, because like, we don't watch it yeah. the night of. Well, then we, have okay. abs- we, we do have ways to make this happen. We I, will make it happen. Um, a man has HBO Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then finally, I've been reading a book called John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood um, on my brand new Kindle Paperwhite, <gasps> which is a fantastic device. But you should all that. go out and buy one. <laughs> on our referral links, no. Um, but it's a very interesting uh, book about just kind of the history of John Carter and um, Edgar Rice's Burroughs, Edgar Rice Burroughs's like really hard time that he had bringing it to the screen in any way possible, and uh, I'm only a little way into it, but it's very interesting. You get a very comprehensive history of of everything John Carter, and um, it's just very interesting to think that John Carter was the first book that he wrote and was f- very successful for him, but. Tarzan got the first movie deal and at the time movie theaters were like we need to put out more Tarzan which mm-hmm. is kind of what they do nowadays anyway like we need to put out more of this thing that did, that did well Yeah, but just because of that and the fact that John Carter's <clears throat> set decoration and animals and everything involved with it would have been so hard to produce for a reasonable budget back then it just never happened and then finally we get a John Carter movie and it gets screwed over by horrible marketing and you know it's it's interesting it's an interesting read uh, i'll definitely report back when i'm done with it cuz i'm not exactly sure where the rest of the book's going to go i still have like two thirds of a book to read so oh really yeah it's good stuff and at some point i might talk about annihilation i have three more issues to read and then i'll be finished you're but, on the main series now yes i'm halfway through so 
Alright, Nick, now that now that you've refreshed your mind. I have. What and this have is what watching? I have to say. I watched season three of Archer, which I had not watched yet. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad the show continues to just still be really good. It's not markedly better than the previous seasons, but it's like still a lot of fun. It's like I, the same show. I disagree in that the last two episodes are enhanced greatly by the presence of Brian Cranston. Yeah, it's true. The last two were really funny. And <laughs> Cranston was really hilarious, actually. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was a good finale. It was good. I mean, it was all good throughout. I yeah. liked it a lot. I loved the three-part beginning that they released early. Yeah. Super it was funny. Well, it was kind of like an inter-season. Yeah. It was weird. I liked the cool. Reynolds episode a lot, too. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, that's really all I have to say about that. Um, I watched the rewatched the Oceans trilogy because I had purchased them on Blu-ray on Black Friday, and I said to you last night I think that uh, it was probably if I was counting honestly, it's probably my thirty-somethingth time watching Oceans Eleven. Like I've yeah. seen that movie so many times, and it never gets old. That, and I always forget about it. But that's one that if somebody was like, hey you need to compile your top ten list of all time. It seriously has a chance of making it on there because it's such a fun movie to watch. It's a really, really it's entertaining movie. It's beautifully directed. It's beautifully acted. It's just through and through. It's a, a damn near perfect movie. I can't think of anything that's wrong with it. It's not too long. It's not too short. The chemistry between everybody is just firing on all cylinders at all times. Yeah. And um, it's cool. It's just a, an awesome movie. That's one that I would give a super high score to. 12 is about as dumb as I remember it being. It's just really... It feels like nobody really, really wants to be there. I think they're all just hanging out that yeah. weekend. Yeah. Like the this plot is 12. one that the movie came together out of pure necessity. Like, the plot is not one... Like, oh, 11, it's it's a little more... They ease you into why it's happening. 12 just starts right off the bat. And like, this movie had to be made because this is happening to these characters now. And you're kind of like, oh, they have to... It's not cool when you have to do a heist. It's cool, cooler when you want to do a heist and yeah. you get away with it. But it's it's got its moments. It's got some cool stuff. But even the direction is really weird. It's way more. It's way looser. There's tons of long, overly long, handheld, clearly semi-improvised dialogue that's just not very good. Hmm. And the actors are all great. I mean, I, I could watch Brad Pitt, George Clooney, and Matt Damon banter with each other all day. But yeah. their their semi-scripted stuff is not super good. Hmm. And it really it just shows through a lot of the dialogue. You're kind of like, why? But then 13 is really, 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 really good again. It's almost as good as 11. And again, everybody's... Everybody just... It's weird. The movie starts and it just... All the pieces come right back together again. And everybody pretty much has something to do in 13, whereas in 12, a lot of them are just sitting around. Like, Bernie Mac sits in jail the whole movie in 12, pretty much. And I'm like, what the hell? Bernie Mac is the man. Rest in peace. Yes, I know. I actually forgot he died until my friend was over watching 11. She's like, oh, I miss Bernie Mac. And I was like, what? (laughs) Holy crap, he did die. I actually blocked it out. I was so upset. (laughs) Um, anyway, it's a good trilogy, though. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's cool to see a third installment be... It's weird that the trilogy is like the inverse of other trilogies, but yeah. the two is the weak one. The third is, is really, really strong. Okay. Um, I highly recommend it. I can't wait to watch the second two when Ocean's 14 inevitably gets announced. I would totally see it. I mean, I like those movies. But anyway, uh, the last thing really quickly I saw, I got caught up on Community. Um... Community ended at season three. It feels like a bit of a soulless husk. <laughs> it really does. And they don't know what on earth to do with Chevy Chase. Every episode, he just is walking in the background, and then he'll have like two lines which are not funny. I don't think that's their fault. I think that's Chevy Chase's fault. I think it's both. But, yeah. I think it's an equal, like, neither of them wants him to be there. And it really <laughs> sucks. 
They should have just killed him off at the beginning or something because it's yeah. just it's too bad because he was hysterical. Replaced him with Fred years. Willard. <laughs> yeah, really. It's it's just not that good anymore. It's too bad. Yeah. The cast is all still there, and a lot of them really try. Like Joel McHale really tries every episode. Um, you can tell they all they all want to make it work, but it's just not really. It there. just feels really really different without. It feels very forced. Yeah. It's just really even true. even even the look of a lot of these episodes. It's just there's something about it. It feels like. It's very different. I don't know why. It's like the Inspector Space Time to Doctor Who. <laughs> like, just off-universe of what it should normally be. It's very interesting. It's, it's very interesting to look at, but it's very sad. Cause That's weird. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Like, why yeah. is this thing suddenly, from top to bottom, it's a whole different thing? Just because yeah. one person was pulled from the chain and two people plugged in. I haven't looked into how the ratings are doing, but... I, I, would, I can't imagine it's any better because the only thing that was carrying it were the diehards yeah. and now they're all losing faith I mean I think so the ones I know are anyway yeah. it's yeah. a pity because that's what you need to watch Willie after you're done with Parks and Rec Community mm. holy god yeah, it's community. First three seasons of Community are very very good I seriously in the in the what See, I thought was season be, three again weird yeah and what i thought was gonna i thought season three was probably gonna be the finale for the show i really didn't know if it was gonna come back or not i was seriously like moved almost to tears it ends so awesomely yeah that season it ends like lost like with the hilarious fade to white too <laughs> really good really yeah. good tv well maybe maybe something will happen where the show will end up better but who knows? oh another quick quick note uh to go along with what you've been reading i've been reading ender's game for the first time ever Oh yeah. Sort of in anticipation of the movie, but more because I want to finally read it because yeah. I'm meaning to for like I have my brother's copy of it, and I've had it for like three years, so I'm finally reading it. I'm about a little over a third of the way through. I'm almost at the halfway point of the book, and it's really sweet. There's tons of potential visually, and um, the interesting thing is going to be that the character Ender is like six years old in the book. Okay. He's really little. And the actor is like 14 or something now. But I mean, having a six-year-old child doing the things that he's doing is only something that you can read. Like on a movie, it would play dumb. Doesn't work. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's a shame because that's part of what makes it so cool in the book is that these kids are... I mean, it's an, it's an integral theme to the book that these kids are doing things and having to make choices and see things that children, even children who are 14, shouldn't have to see let alone six-year-olds. So I'm curious to see how they're going to let that play. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be neat. I'm I'm interested to see the movie. I know Ender's Game is something that a lot of people hold close to their hearts, but I, I've never read it. I know very little about it. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? Mm-mm. No, I haven't. It's sweet. I mean, it's um, I'm very excited to see what Hugo is going to be able to do in it because the character is pretty, pretty cool. Hugo Weaving, star of <laughs> yeah. Cloud Atlas. He's playing Ender. No, I forgot <laughs> Hugo's real name. It's It's... Sergeant Something Hugo Stiglitz. Hugo Stiglitz. And uh, Harrison uh, Asa, Ford. Asa Butter- Butterfield. Yeah. From The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, maybe? And Hugo. And Hugo, yeah. That's um, right. And Harrison Ford, I think, will be cool, too. Yeah. He'll be good, he'll be good for the part, I think. Um, he's probably not who I would have pictured initially. But anyway. Um, yeah. All right. That's what I've been watching. We'll move into some film news. Um, in a Reddit Ask Me Anything, producer Adi Shankar said that he's potentially working on a Dread short, as in Dread 3D, a film that uh, I enjoyed very much Yeah, same here. From, from last year, which I'm sad that we ended up 
doing uh, Resident Evil, I think, instead of Dread. Yeah, and but honestly, I mean, most of the footage of that movie before it came out didn't exactly look very convincing. No, I thought like, it looked horrible. No, I, I mean, very good. And, and I think that has to do with the marketing. Uh, you know, yeah. I. I, good marketing, man. I mean, I, I I wish I would have seen it in theaters, but I understand why I didn't at the very least. Yeah. And it's sad that we're not going to get a legitimate sequel. Because mm-hmm. they set up a very cool uh, universe to tell stories in. They really do. And there's a lot... There's a, there were a lot more avenues I think they could take with those, you know, with those characters in that setting. But we're getting something, maybe, so... Yeah. I, you know, I... I feel as though Carl Urban would be one to come back and do a Dread short. Yeah, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah. You know? I think he re- I think like from what I've heard of him, I feel like he really like he like loves the Dread mythology and yeah. And, yeah. and everything behind it. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with mm-hmm. and and you know whether or not it happens and It's probably it, like you said it'll probably be something along the lines of the uh the Punisher yeah, short. Yeah. Uh Thomas Jane and and Somebody else did a mm-hmm. short called Dirty Laundry, and they aired, they like showed it off at Comic Con last year or two years ago. Yeah, with no intention of it being anything more than a short. No, yeah, um, and it was it was just like a here's this little thing that we did, and and you know, I like Tom Jane as the Punisher. Yeah, I prefer him. He's probably the best of the three, in my opinion. The movie itself wasn't great. I I thought it was fun, but it I enjoy it. Um, but Tom Jane. I thought made a really good Frank Castle. I mean, Ray Stevenson looks more like him in the comics, but... Sure. Whatever. I like the Tom Jane one. And that yeah. movie's just hilarious. Uh, Punisher War. I remember you loved I it. I never saw it's it. It's so much fun. Like, I love it. And I'm like, no way. And then I watched it and I was like, I do not love it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I... <clears throat> I knew going into that one it was going to be bad. But regardless, Dread. More Dread. awesome. Please, yeah. please, please, please. It's working rent its this way movie up on my, on my pile. And watch it Maybe because watch it's it super awesome. And it's really, really like I said, it sets up a really cool universe. So yeah, it's maybe it's fantastic. If for some, for some reason, reason it does better in sales, like home video sales. Maybe there's like it, a it did amazing. See, but so it you never know. Yeah, you never know. It's weird. Some of the movies we are getting sequels to, like GI Joe. It's surprising. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm John Car- obviously oh. very glad. Hey. But I was just talking with somebody about uh, the collector collection, which those you know the, the yes two horror sequel. movies <laughs> that have come out in the past few years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, the, the first one didn't do very well. Um, it, it did well for its budget, but didn't do that well, and, and then we got a sequel to that, so just because of the home video thing. So yeah, yeah. Who knows? We'll see, we'll see. Um, that reminded me, well, you're talking about Dread and, and talking about Carl Urban wanting to be involved in it or liking the character, it reminded me, like that combined with me watching Black Hawk Down fairly recently and talking with numerous people about what a beast Eric Bana is, reminded me of how it's still kind of a shame that he's not going to be Mad Max. Mm. I mean, obviously, one of my most anticipated movies is the new Mad Max. With Tom, Tom Hardy's going to be sweet, for Mad sure. Mad Max Fury Road. But Eric Bana apparently is such a Mad Max devotee that he owns the car from, like, the original. That's awesome. Like, he bought it or has, like, the same car. I don't know, something like that. But he, like, apparently worships Mad Max. It's, That's like, his awesome. total thing. I'm thinking about how cool that would have been to see him. I could him. see him as, as... Oh, for sure. Yeah. But... but I keep... There's all these cool actors, like him and Carl Urban and I think of both of them together too a lot because they're both in Star Trek but these yeah. guys who are really cool who they are totally leading men but for some reason they're not the ones that we think of when people think like oh who are current Hollywood leading men yeah and I, I wish both of them would be in more stuff yeah very true Carl Urban very talented man yeah 
Doom guy. Doom guy. As Gojo called him for the longest time. <laughs> um, all right. So I told myself I'm going to stop saying um in between stories because it's that's just how it's I. Like, uh, it's hard. It's like a, Robin Sparkles. It's a transition. On, on uh, how I met your mother. Um, but um, exactly, but, exactly. Yeah. That, that's that's what this podcast is basically. We don't say yeah between everything. <laughs> Just yeah, I'm gonna need you to instead of um, like a word that doesn't belong in the sentence, like nee. brilliant. And then when you go no, because you say that like we breathe air. <laughs> but if you choose a word that just doesn't make any sense, and then you'll go to say it, and then you'll probably stop saying it on anything altogether. Then it'll probably be an awkward pause, though. Just stick with the um. We like the um. Okay. The okay. yum. Change it to yum instead. Y- yeah. Yum. <laughs> Alan Richardson, Pete Plasek, Jeremy Howard, and Noel Fisher are your new... Who are these people? <laughs> they are your new Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles. I think they all work at the subway in Woodward. <laughs> they very, That's how they, familiar I am with They could. They're, um, respectively, they're Raphael, Leonardo, Donatello, and Michelangelo. But um, Alan Richardson, he's going to be known for the new Francis Lawrence epic uh, Hunger Games Catching Fire. Um, Jeremy Howard, he's got a bunch of smaller parts, but most recently he's been on Breaking Bad. Which one is he? In a bit part. His character's s- name is Sketchy. Yeah, his character's name is Sketchy. I think he, um, he's one, I, I don't know exactly. Who I recognize his Galaxy face. Quest. He's been in some comedic stuff, I know that. Who was he in Galaxy Quest? Um, Galaxy Quest. He was in Galaxy Quest as well. He played Kyle, and he's one of the nerds, I think, oh, that yeah, hangs out. Oh, yeah, he's his buddy. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Which Justin Which turtle Long. is he? Donatello? He's, um... Yes, he's Donatello. Figures. So, that's... Hey, that's cool. Um, Noel Fisher, who is mostly known for Shameless, which is a show that none of us have really seen. He's playing Michelangelo. He's, he's one of, um... I believe he's one of... He's one of the brothers. William H. Macy's mm-hmm. sons yeah. in, in Shameless. Yeah. He uh, looks like a young Neil McDonough. He does look like a young Neil McDonough. So we have a bunch we of... We all be so blessed. We, we have a bunch of no-names in a movie that are going... Like, they are the four main characters who are all going to be... Uh, CG. CG, yeah. you know, motion capture. So... Uh, does anybody? <laughs> nobody I mean, there's here. There's nothing. There shouldn't be anything inherently wrong with casting unknowns. No, I mean, no. Does, does anybody know anybody it. that played anybody in the original Turtles? Very true. I mean, I mean, but I think everybody that was involved did a good enough job for me to not care. You know, so I mean, this is di- a little different because they'll be doing the voices and and the motion capture and everything. It's interesting, um, like, if they're going to be performance capture. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to have, like, ninja stand-ins for all the fight scenes and stuff. I would think they'll do some sort of performance capture with actual martial artists for the fight scenes. Yeah. And then they can be during everything Pizza else. Pizza eating scenes. I mean, we've yes. seen... <laughs> we've seen, uh... Apologies for that snort that just <laughs> roared through the microphone. Uh, after Planet of the Apes, I mean, performance capture, clearly, is capable of amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it's Who's going to do gonna do the effects on this one do we know i don't i don't probably whoever did transformers i think we have very little information but i wouldn't be surprised if there are some transformers team the yeah the bottom line on on michael bay's ninja turtles or jonathan liebsman or whoever the heck's directing this thing is that it's not going to be as good as the original ninja turtles it will not there is there is no way this will ever even be close i i would say it's probably not even going to be as good as ninja turtles 3 which was bad to begin with (laughs) 
I think, it's, well, we're still waiting, too, for whether or not Casey Jones is going to be involved, because there was a heavy rumor that he was going to be the protagonist a while ago. And that's, I like Casey Jones, but he's going to, he, guys, Megan Fox is playing April O'Neil. <laughs> I know. Okay. That's yeah. All that, that's that's all I need to I need to hear. I mean, I'm not expecting great things, but well, and I'll get into this a little more with GI Joe. Ninja Turtles is very much something that was more of my older brothers, like yeah. it was closer to their heart than it was to mine. So I wouldn't be opposed to going to a uh, to a Ninja Turtles film and if it was very entertaining, I'd be okay with it. I think we can anticipate cool action. Most yeah, likely. we'll probably get some cool set pieces. But it, it, and we should say Michael Bay's producing. He's not directing. Not directing, but it's he's the know. big name. That's I mean he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a lot of work. He'll probably go directing. Yeah, somewhere. exactly. Jo- Jonathan Liebsman is is going um, to be directing. And he's Jonathan Liebsman's done some actiony stuff in the past Battle as well. LA, Clash yeah. Titans. Yeah. Clash and Wrath. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Clash Massacre. The, the beginning. Not just Wrath of the Titans. Um, but but the thing is. How do you Ninja top Turtles was very T though too, like that was the perfect the, the animated CG yeah, the animated one. The animated one was good. I'm I think some of the monster stuff was a little silly for me. I wanted them to focus more on on some Foot traditional plan. villain you know yeah, villains. Fair but but the thing is, it's the 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 Ninja Turtles are so close to my heart because I mean that was my life for like five years. <laughs> like, seriously, <laughs> like I had all oh, the to- all the toys possible. Watch the cartoon religiously. I mean, seriously. I went outside and played Ninja Turtles with whatever other little kids would want to play with me, which at the time was everybody. You know, like, that's all we talked about. Yeah. I did so, I did Don a Raphael costume at one point. That's awesome. But Donatello was really my favorite. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm um, a nerd. You are a nerd. Um, but anyway, regardless, it's, that, that original Turtles movie um, is has a huge 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 place in my heart and i don't i don't the thing is i'm not even really all that angry about any of this because like i said i I never thought that this was gonna be you weren't hoping for something good once you heard michael bay was attached and beyond just him i don't think anything's ever gonna live up to that for me well and yeah okay so uh, this is more than we really need to be talking about this so we'll just say a few more words but sure to me i feel like part of turtles is lost in that time period of like mid to late eighties, like you're not you're not gonna get a film as good as those original ones because it's very much ingrained. Not to mention there were some fantastic I think Henson animatronics that went into the turtles in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think you can recreate that kind of thing with CG nowadays. If you're gonna do it, it may be with performance capture. But I just feel like Turtles is inherently 80s, 90s. Well, the movies are. My, my only argument with that is this. <clears> is <throat> when, when, you, when you think about Turtles, you typically think about the cartoon, which is where all the pizza stuff and the cowabunga and all that yeah. came from, which is totally a product of the 80s, 90s, and it fits perfectly within that time frame. But if, if you were to find a director and a writer and a creative team that was to go back to the roots of what these characters are, which, yes, they were parody... But they, the the books themselves took themselves very seriously. Yeah. And there are some incredibly dark, dark and and really interesting stories that come from those first five years or so of the comics. I mean, they use some of that in the original Turtles film, um, particularly the the Return to New York storyline, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. But if they draw on some of that, I think you could make a movie that that still relevant. feels relevant. Yeah. yeah. By going to the past, you could 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, maybe maybe at some point in the future we'll have somebody maybe that can really... Maybe this I don't know. Maybe I, it is. I think they're going in such a radically, like, different direction. Like, they're, they're taking the Teenage Mutant out of the title in the first place. It's like, I don't think... They're aiming at making an entertaining film, which, you know... Sure. We can't we can't fault them for that, but yep. we, sh- we should move on anyways. Um, so we have some Captain America Winter Soldier casting news. Uh, we'll start with the positive first. Uh, Robert Redford is in talks to be a high-level S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, person. We don't know if he's above Nick Fury or what he could possibly really be, because Nick Fury's supposed to be, like, the top of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. But, uh... I don't think anybody's disappointed with possible Robert Redford and Captain no. America. No, especially with the vibe they were originally citing they were going for, like in all the President's Men type. like The 70s. international espionage exactly. thriller. Yeah. Yeah. They He's cited that movie that. specifically, and I was like, oh, now they're casting him. We just yeah. need Dustin Hoffman as <laughs> Dum Dum Dugan 2 or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, on top of these, uh, these possible Redf- Robert Redford casting, we have George or George's... Uh, George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre of uh, UFC fame. UFC fame. I think I'm the one person at this table that has a tiny bit of UFC <laughs> knowledge. He uh, is the current welterweight champion. He will be playing Batrock the Leaper. I, the I, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> real quick. This is, uh, Batrock the Leaper, I believe Nick was here for this. I said at one point, when I was naming... A character that will never appear in a movie. <laughs> Batrock the Leaper was the one I named. We make Batrock the Leaper jokes on the reg. All the time. Because his name is Batrock the Leaper. And he leaps. <laughs> and he's a Frenchman who jumps a lot. That is him. That is what like he does. Like on the cover of him attacking Captain America. He's, he's jumping on jumping him. jumping on him. <laughs> yeah. And there's like little bounce marks. like From where he's jumped from previously. From where he just yeah. jumped from. So the, the just beyond George St. Pierre, the, the announcement of this character is a shock. And I can only imagine that it's going to be more of a henchman role. I can't... It's such a goofy character. Well, I mean, Batrock in the first place, his, like, he doesn't have any special powers. He's just in top physical Really good condition. at jumping. Yeah. He's really good at jumping. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's it. So we're not going to get the deep cuts of Batrock backstory going in this film? I'm thinking no. But he's going <laughs> to jump a ton. Are they going to call him Batrock the Leaper? No. There's no way. No. He'll just be Batrock. He's probably going to be Batrock in name only, and there might be a joke of him jumping at some point. And by joke, what I mean... What if not, though? What if it's, like, Wolverine, and he's, like... He was the guy who's supposed to be Maverick and Wolverine, and he just, for <laughs> no reason, can, like, leap over fences. I don't know. That by being said, George St. Pierre is a French-Canadian, and Batrock the Leaper is a, is a French character. So, so he fits the part. He fits the part. <laughs> and certainly, f- the physicality-wise, the dude can high-kick, like, Almost, almost as good as Shawn Michaels. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Not quite as good, but can he super kick as good as Shawn? Michaels? He can pull off a super kick if he needs to. Um, I think he's more gassed, more winded after than Shawn Michaels is. But no, I mean it's George St. Pierre is cool. I, he seems like a really cool guy from interviews I've seen with him and stuff. He seems really down to earth, and if he wants, to, you know, I mean, why not? I guess I don't know. It's just really weird. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Winter Soldier's right hand man, Crossbones, will have a right man, right hand man named Batrock. This is my concern. We have we have Crossbones, who we all assumed was going to be the main heavy, you know, the main henchman of the movie. Yeah. Obviously, we've got the Winter Soldier character, who's kind of more of a anti-hero type. Yeah. Now we've got Batrock, and then on, on top of all this, we've got Zola. What is this movie? What is this movie? That's a good question. 
but it, it's the really Russo weird. brothers it's are directing like, this movie. What is happening? It's like all of these, it, all of these Phase Two Marvel movies have these really strange uh, hierarchies of villains. It's really weird because Iron Man three, you've got Mandarin at the top, and then you have um, Aldrich Killian. Yeah, Aldrich Killian, and uh, then you've got James Cold Badge Blood. Dale. Yeah, James Badgedale's character. Yeah. And, just it's like this really they're building these really weird hierarchies into their films it's like i wonder how exactly they're gonna play out and i'm just gonna hope for the best i yeah the 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 movie i'm most nervous about is captain america at this point yeah this doesn't help that nervousness (laughs) no so we'll see all right (sighs) finally we have uh new hercules film uh, directed by Brett Ratner, but really the owner of the film here is Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, we just had Ian McShane, Rufus Sewell, Sewell, and John Hurt cast in the film. Powerhouses all. Yeah, like <laughs> pretty awesome. I I, it, <laughs> I didn't think there'd be casting news that would make me want to see a, a Brett Ratner movie. The thing but is, the man's been can, competent before. He can pull the casts, like the Tower Heist cast. Yeah, it's great. As we spoke yeah, Tower Heist yeah. for the second week in a row, making an appearance on the podcast. But but still. He can pull these these big-name casts. And he had some great people added to X-Men 3. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really care about Hercules that much, but The Rock, first of all, awesome. And then... We have these. This At like, this point, I don't know who's actually playing Hercules because it could be any of the four of them. <laughs> I mean, it's, Ian McShane could probably beat up. They're all they're all Hercules at different points in his life. <laughs> um, no, uh, they're all Hercules from different universes. Oh my God! Yes, it'd be amazing. Um, no, it's funny because Brett Ratner's filmography, um, the one weird black sheep in his filmography, is Red Dragon. Like it's the one that doesn't fit his typical. You know his, his his typical kind of movie. Probably and, the most critically regarded film. And and yet it's his best film. Yeah. I mean, by and large, honestly, I think Red Dragon is almost on on par with Silence of the Lambs. It it's is really pretty good. close. Um, but regardless of Ratner's filmography, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, we all love him at the, on on the podcast. So big Rock fan here. Yeah, he's awesome. So I'm totally down with anything that he's doing. I, I hope it's different from Scorpion King enough. You know what I'm saying? Like the look. Well, because. He is still somewhat associated so with punchable. that, so I hope that he's not, uh, I don't know, I hope that he's not going to look too much like he, you know, like he did in those. Yeah. I want it to be different enough, um, so, yeah. I'm I'm more interested in Brett Ratner's next film than I thought I would be, so. Yeah, same here. Especially, yeah. especially hearing this casting news. Yeah, definitely some good I names. I think it's a Hail Mary on his part. He needs this. As as a filmmaker, he needs this because I don't think anybody. Brett Ratner, I think, thought more of himself than most people thought of Brett Ratner at one point. I don't know how much he really needs it, though. I think he needs it. I really do. I think I think he needs this because I think he's going to start going the way of like Stephen Summers type thing, which we'll talk about a little <laughs> bit here. Seriously, though, I mean, I hate to say it, but guys who wanted to be Michael Bay that couldn't be Michael Bay—that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. That's true, but so. I mean, he's got the Rush Hour series is pretty popular. Absolutely, absolutely. So. But I don't think people remember Brett Ratner for those movies. That's true. It's so. all Jackie Chan and, and yeah, Chris Tucker. But all right, so we'll move on to our full film review uh, this week. As I yum this week, as <laughs> I said, we'll be reviewing Stephen Summers' GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra. 
starring Dennis Quaid, Channing Tatum, Marlon Wayans, and a bunch of other people who we may touch on later on. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, really. Starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, <laughs> in, a, in a beautiful, beautiful performance. Uh, the synopsis says, if you need one for a G.I. Joe film, but an elite military unit com- comprised of special operatives known as G.I. Joe operating out of the pit takes on an evil organization led by a notorious arms dealer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Pretty accurate. So, um, as I said kind of earlier, I G.I. Joe isn't something, you know, much like Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe wasn't something very close to my heart. I did play with the toys because they were around the house. But, um, I, I didn't necessarily walk into this film with any sort of preconceived notions about G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. I know nothing of, like, the, the canon of G.I. Joe. I know the nothing lore. about a lot of the characters of G.I. Joe, even, really. So, why don't you guys start off, Willie, how did you come into this movie, and then what did you think of, of the film? Well, I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I mean, I was... You're a wee bit younger than us. Yeah. So this was kind of... G.I. Joe was into cartoon and as a phenomenon was kind of after... You know what I mean? It was before when you were at your peak of cartoons. What did you watch, by the way, as a cartoon? What was it, What was the big deal? I mean, I was a pretty big Beast Wars fan yeah, at the time. Beast, Beast Wars. Wars. Yes. That is sweet. Um, okay. You grew up well, sir. No, I mean, yeah. I was still in... I wasn't like watching Blue's Clues or anything. That's good. You know? Well, anyway, so G.I. Joe, that was one of the the one or two cartoons that I actually missed growing up that it, I was so focused on Turtles and Thundercats and He-Man that I missed G.I. Joe and Transformers. <laughs> okay. Um, you can't watch them all, okay? Um, so I was never as offended by anything G.I. Joe or Transformers, any changes made to anything yeah. as with the other stuff. Um, I did play with the toys, though, much like you said. I yeah. mean, I, that, that was my knowledge of G.I. Joe, was the awesome little, the little ones, not the original tall the, ones that yeah. my, my parents had, you yeah. know, but, like, the little ones. Yeah. Those were awesome, because they were, they were essentially just repaints of each other, but they were all so cool. <laughs> they were. I mean, seriously. They were awesome. They were um, palette swaps. They were palette swaps, <laughs> yes. But I remember I, my DLC. local comic shop, um, Time Trailers, woot woot. Um, they had a giant box of loose G.I. Joe figures. Yeah. And it was like a grab bag, man. I mean, you could just, it was like, you know, five for five, and I'd like save up a dollar for my lunch money every day. <laughs> and I'd eventually go in there at the end of the week and be like, five G.I. Joe's, sir. And I'd just dig through the boxes and be like, this one's a winner, you know? It was good. Find the ones who had cool costumes or. You'd try to find the cool, unique ones, because you had very generic guys that were like, Ninjas. mustache guy or uh, hat guy. You yeah, know, like Ninja there was. Guy. They, they weren't very that exciting, so you tried to find the really cool ones. Um, yeah. And then I threw them all into ceiling fans, and they exploded. <laughs> all right, yeah. all right. So, okay, Nick, how, how did you walk into G.I. Joe the movie? Um, I watched the cartoon a little more than I think you did, Willie, mm-hmm. as a kid. I liked, the, uh, I liked the show because it was just very... This probably is part of the reason that, as an adult, I love ensemble movies, <laughs> because as a kid... Shows that had like teams were really cool. Yeah, it's always like teams were like the shit. That's why X Men were sweet. But GI Joe was great because there's like 400 Joes, and they all are really really good at one thing. <laughs> or th- there's some that are like kind of jack of all trade ish, but they most of them have one really niche specialty. Like and I'm good at throwing knives. Or like Batrock is good at leaping. Yeah, like sure. If yeah. Something <laughs> if a frisbee got caught in the neighbor's yard, they'd be like Batrock, go get it. Yeah, but. And G.I. Joe was cool because be, there'd be these hysterical scenarios where they would be like, we need someone who can disarm mines that are in trees that are 
manufactured in this country and they'd have a guy who was good at that and like that specifically and that's why it was such an awesome show just because you'd have all these this revolving door of hilarious supporting characters and um <laughs> it's always red, red lasers and blue lasers fighting each other it's, that's, <laughs> that, that's that's a staple the action sequences are great like in uh in the gi joe animated movie all the action stuff is awesome it's all this crazy like hand drawn and there's just it's so intricate it's like looking at where a Where's Waldo page moving at 24 frames a second? Yeah. It's insane. Like if you watch the opening scene alone from the animated movie, there's like guys on jetpacks flying around everywhere. It's just <laughs> like it's so much fun to watch. Um, and now GI Joe, like in the comic world, has been taken to like a really cool, mature storytelling place. And GI Joe Hearts and Minds by Max Brooks is like one of the best comics I've ever read, and it's short. Like, if I loan it to you, you'll read it all in one sitting, and it's amazing. Max Brooks is in um, Zombie Survival Guide? Yes. Max Brooks? Cool. As in World War Z, Max Brooks. As in Son of Mel Brooks. Son of Mel Brooks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That guy knows how to write a comic. He writes for the visuals so well that he should be writing the scripts for, like, a movie. Yeah. But, um... Anyway, so I went into the movie with not high hopes, but, like, the trailer looked like what I thought it would be. I'm like, this looks like a goofy-ass movie with, like, tons of over-the-top action. Like, I feel like a lot of people when they saw like the accelerator suits in the trailer they were like that looks stupid and I'm like that looks awesome what are you talking <laughs> it about it looks like a toy you would buy yes. back in the day yeah. it's it's totally you'd buy the dude that comes with the accelerator suit you'd and then you'd, run. you'd put all the other people in that suit too you know absolutely and you'd make him run up your entertainment center like super fast and mm -hmm. tackle a helicopter that's flying by that, that was my whole philosophy going into the movie was like I hope it I hope the movie plays like G.I. Joe figures play, basically, and yeah. it totally does. Yeah, because these are based on toys. Let's not forget this. Yeah, this, there's a giant Hasbro logo. This is a <laughs> property based on action figures. And they totally embrace it, I think. They make it like an espionage movie that's hysterically over the top and totally implausible <laughs> in every regard. And that's what it should be. So going into it in the theater, I was like, I'm here to have a great time. And like, I, I, I was with Alex... Gojo. I don't remember... Yeah. And I don't Gojo, remember, as he's known in the Midwest yes. Only's podcast audience. Yes. Um, Master Thespian Gojo. Yes. He was not in a production of G.I. Joe <laughs> yet. Um, but were he a G.I. Joe, he'd be the one that's really good at acting, probably. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be Zartan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Master of Disguise Zartan. Were he Cobra. Um, but anyway, I went into it just hoping for an awesome time in the theater, and I left, like, laughing in a good way. Yeah. So. All right, so... Let's dig in a little bit more. Um, and that's the thing is like I don't know exactly how to dig into a GI Joe movie. <laughs> well, well, what, what did you what did you think? This is your first viewing of GI Joe. Yeah, let's um, start the with rise you. Of Cobra. You know, for the, the rise past, of Cobra. Yes. I've worked with you guys at the movie at the movie store for you know a year after this came out, and I know how much you guys loved it, and I had never seen it, and finally sitting down to see it. Uh, it is a lot of fun, and it's. I don't think it really would have been a movie that I would sit down and watch on my own. Like this is one of no. those movies that I'd have to see it's with you guys. It's a group film, yeah. definitely. Because other, uh, otherwise, you know, like it, it. By yourself, you'd be on the phone on Reddit in it, like exactly. Minutes. Yeah. So I mean, certainly none of the acting really carries anything through, and and well. except well, yeah, <laughs> except for Joseph Gordon-Levitt, best eyebrow acting. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> They're not still the whole movie. Oh, he no. Shifting he, around his forehead. He acts with his eyebrows more than anybody else acts with anything else in the film. Except so The only gym work that man did before taking this role <laughs> was eyebrow, like, lifting or something. I don't know. 
We'll see if the Rock's eyebrow can hold a candle in the new one to JGL's eyebrows. That's true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other, other than that, the, the one thing that was disappointing to me is that with a movie like this, you would expect the special effects to be pretty... Like, it was a summer blockbuster, like... You should you should be throwing the majority of your money at at special effects, sure. and I didn't really necessarily feel like they did that. I never really minded, except for at the end. That's the only one where I'm like. I mean, there were some times where looking at it, I was like, some of the goofy ass uh, helicopters. Are some of it, like, some of it looks dated today because it is. I mean, it's from '09, and then a lot has changed. But there was a lot of this movie that looked bad then, specifically the stuff with with the. Uh, the G.I. Joe plane landing in the yeah. desert base. Oof. Not good. <laughs> not good. I'm also thinking about how well does Steven Summers really know how to use CGI? Because the CGI in the Mummy movies was always a little spotty. Except for when it was the giant face in the sand. That was always pretty cool. But the CGI in Van Helsing was dumb even for the time. Yeah, and he might not be... Uh, I don't know. I, well, think there's, I think there's a bit of a correlation to draw there. Which is interesting. I mean, mostly for me, it's not necessarily that CGI was used in weird places in this film, but it's more along the lines of it just looks bad, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like, like inexcusably ba- bad in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But it didn't detract from my enjoyment of the film because it's you can't take it that seriously in the first place. You were already enjoying it as, as a goofball action movie. Yeah, and... and you well, know. it did have a humongous budget. I didn't think it was that high. How how much? Uh, estimated at one hundred and seventy five million. It's a that's, lot of money. It's pretty big. It's and and of none money. of the actors in this movie they paid that much. I think a lot of it was maybe locations. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> the guy made Legion, Alex. <laughs> I don't think they paid him that much. Maybe uh, who knows? Remember when we all thought the twist ending to Legion was going to be that Dennis Quaid was actually God? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That movie was not good. But anyway, the uh, <laughs> um, yeah, GI Joe. It, 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 when viewed, it, you can't you can't compare this movie even to its own, uh, you know, contemporaries. You can't you can't compare it to a lot of the comic book movies that are out in the last five yeah. years. Even I know that it seems like it's a natural comparison to make because they come from similar places, but I don't think this movie was made to be taken seriously. Well, I don't get that feeling. On the other hand, I also don't feel like they fully realized that they were making a G.I. Joe movie either. Like, I feel like if they just straight up took Nick's approach to it where it is a kid sitting there throwing his G.I. Joes at each other and just, like, ramming the trucks into one another. Like, if, if, if you took that realization to a film, I feel like not only would you have pumped the budget into special effects, but you also would have just gone even more insane with it. Yeah, and I think, I think I, I, maybe this is where you're going with this, but part of the look of the film, and I'm talking about the, 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 the typical movieized black leather suits, they're very um, real, realism-based, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Stuff like that. and... They and could have just made them colorful and goofy. And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah well like, have, yeah. there should have been people in, like, like blue and black camo and like one yeah. dude and, the, and he has a beret and like you know like it should have they should have looked bazooka with his football jersey and his <laughs> yeah and his baseball cap and if 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 robert rodriguez made this movie that's probably oh what my it god like. you should have never said that sentence yeah because <laughs> now i'm always gonna wish that had happened right <laughs> it would have been amazing like it, it yeah they that don't fully the i know what you're saying ever. they don't fully i think the script and the and the 
and the the scenes that they have set up, the action set pieces and stuff, totally feel like a cornball, yeah, fun action movie. But the look of the film, all the art direction, yes, like they they wanted feels it to like be, an X Men movie. Yeah, they wanted it to be too cool. Well, and except like, for the the pit is pretty. That's a giant GI Joe toy. Yeah, sure, which sure. is awesome. When they're taking the elevator by and it goes by submarine <laughs> warfare level, yeah. it's really silly. But then it's amazing. I, I would agree with you. And I the think underwater, the the climax of the movie too is just. Absolutely straight GI Joe. So, set okay, so even set piece wise, it does very much feel like GI Joe toys. You make such a good point about the costumes, though. But it's that's just one of those things that like like Willie definitely helped me put it into form. But like they should have just like completely encapsulated GI Joe. Yeah, like, if you're gonna do it, punch it to eleven. Just exactly. Do it. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully we get a little bit more of that in in the new film. But I don't necess- I don't think we necessarily know that we will. It. It already looks brighter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It looks brighter and a little more colorful and a little more, um, a little more, like it's embracing things a bit more. Yeah. So, I hope I hope that's that's a very good point. Retaliation is directed by John Chu, right? Yeah. John it Chu. looks like he's he's going for way more the crazy GI Joe. Like there's like ninjas in yellow outfits and stuff. Okay. It's it's looking pretty cool. But plus he directs a lot of dance movies, so he knows how to use like choreography, visual stuff, yeah. yeah, and like eye catching. There will be a Channing Tatum dance scene probably in this one as well. Dance it's fight. in the contract. Him and Walken both <laughs> yeah. have that in the contract. Dancing is required. That actually is in Christopher Walken's contract, by the way. Brief, brief little bit here. He has to dance in this movie. Is it really? Yes. No joke. Um, but no, I. That being said, I think that this movie is a lot of fun. And I think that um, when viewed, like I said, as a very silly, almost like in the same light as like a, I hate to say it, but like the original Mortal Kombat or the original Street Fighter and stuff like that, it totally feels like those, but like better. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. And and I, it's interesting because Mortal Kombat, like that's one of those movies, especially Annihilation where you'll sit there and watch it just for, like, the fight scenes. And G.I. Joe very much is, like... these a- The action scenes are very thrilling. They're a lot of fun, like, like watching the accelerator suits racing through the streets behind the car and... and, and, uh, and Snake Eyes Snake Eyes, the, Snake Eyes yeah. is Doing fighting people. Flying cars. He's fighting people while hanging off the side... He's fighting people in the car while he's hanging off the side of it. Like It's awesome. That's amazing. And, and so, like, watching all of that, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. When he dives head first out of a helicopter at the beginning, yes. and he lands on his feet and yes. starts shooting people. Exactly. So I mean, the the, the action they certainly pulled the action off. Um, my only my only like, I feel like the accelerator suits. That's one of those things. The accelerator suits are pretty bland. It's like gray gunmetal suit that looks pretty generic. That like, was an opportunity for them to say make them as crazy and fun as possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know it. Let's not, you know, play the same note the whole through the whole review. It, what else do you guys want to say about it? I mean, um, I mean, I, I will say that um, none of the the storyline tweaks, and I, I don't, I'll talk more about them in spoiler section. Okay. But there's some storyline tweaks that do happen in this movie that I know for a fact, even with what little GI Joe knowledge I have, I know for a fact go very much against these. The what's core. been set up before? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And none of that stuff bugged me. Much no. like the Transformers stuff in that regard didn't bug me because this is not that close to me. But I totally get why fans were like, "Why is Barricade like a big like truck thing? Why can't Barricade be like the car that he was in that one Generation Two? Uh, sure. And it sounds totally yeah. silly, like like 
from the outside looking in, but I, I bet you if we were hardcore Transformers fans, we'd probably, we'd doing the probably same thing. be saying that. Yeah. Um, or for that matter, hardcore GI Joe fans. But anyway, uh, I, I just want to say, any moment that Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow are on screen together is awesome. Electric. And some of their fight scenes. Children. Oh, totally. Some of their fight scenes. Um, you know, they have a really cool, awesome showdown towards the end of the film. Of yeah. course, they have to. You know. Yep. And um, it really just reminds me of like. It's weird because it takes me back to seeing like Masters of the Universe in mm-hmm. the theater and seeing Skeletor and He-Man fight with like this awesome lighting and there's sparks and fire in the background. I'm just like, totally. yeah! <laughs> you know, like so I'm gonna go home and recreate this with my toys. That's totally what this feels like. I mean, like. yeah, they fight in a reactor with electricity coursing through it with frozen water at the bottom. It's yeah. perfect. I would have set that scenario up in my sink in my bathroom with my toys. Absolutely. <laughs> well, like even the part with Snake Eyes earlier where he's where he's hanging on the the roof rack of the jeep or whatever and that car goes flipping and he jumps and like runs up it and does a flip and lands back on it i was like i probably did that at some point. <laughs> yes yeah so yeah. they nailed snake eyes and storm shadow both those two are the probably the two out of all the characters those two are like the the coolest and feel the most like what They're i the remember most iconic too yeah. mm-hmm. sure well the interesting thing is i think um Storm Shadow, his name's... Byung-Hun Lee. Yeah, Byung-Hun Lee. He didn't read anything about Storm... He didn't... Like, Stephen Summers was like, I want you to make this character, like... And yet he nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some, totally. some, Somehow he still manages to, to completely nail the I character. I think he does his own thing with it, though, enough. Like, I don't remember Storm Shadow from... Like I said, I have very min- minimal knowledge, but I don't remember him being a super, like, dressed-up slick guy or anything. Pimp. You know, but he does that in this, which is kind of cool. He was always, little, like, his costume, his regular ninja costume, is a little more flash than Snake Eyes. But sure. Probably just because it's white also. Yeah. Snake Eyes is pretty utilitarian. But he has this strut in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. He's kind of embraced the American culture, you know? And he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's embraced that, like, ritzy... He Only came, established you know, earlier in the movie, too, that he definitely thinks he's... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. To, like, yeah. everybody. But it's... it's He adds a cool little... Kind of that strut, Definitely. you know? It, it's very cool. And I will... S- uh, the, the fight scene between the two kids is one of the best, like, children fight scenes that I've ever seen. It's totally. It's, like, an awesome... It's better than, like, tons of normal fight scenes. Yeah. It's a great fight. It's How do we go through the entirety of the Hunger Games movie and not have a fight scene on that on that level? It's true. That fight is awesome. The way they... And it's, like, classic Kung Fu-ish where they grab shit in the room to throw at each other. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's a very cool... It's a very cool fight. And those Absolutely. kids are legit. Like, I looked up the kid who played Young Snake Eyes, and he's, like, a legit, like, martial arts Well, master. the kid who played Young Storm Shadow is the main villain in the Karate Kid remake. Oh, with, really? Yeah, Interesting. With Will son. Yeah, he's, like, the, he's, he's the, the bad guy, you know? That's the cool. bad kid. So Very cool. All right. Well, I think we can kind of wrap up for now, and we can head into a little bit of spoilers. I don't know how much we're going to have to say about it there. Letter grade for anybody? Letter grade. I'd give it... It's really... It's, like, conditional. It's, like... On my own, I'm probably going to give this movie like a B minus C plus, but with you guys, it's probably more of a B plus A minus. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, watching it in the context that that you should with a group of people that's having fun and ready to f- have fun, and not comparing it, like I said, to movies that are much of a much higher caliber. Yeah. This totally gets like a B plus from me. Yeah. For sure. There are cer- certain flaws you can't look past, regardless of how much fun it is. But B plus is probably fair. Yeah. It's a B plus easily, A minus maybe even. Yeah, I mean that was probably my third time seeing it, and I was still like, it was still a riot. 
All right. It, awesome. it's, it is absolutely, though, conditional on who you're with. <laughs> I, I will say, I did. we did have to pick up a copy of it because we all assumed that the other had a copy of it. I had a DVD copy, but this must be experienced on <laughs> And Blu-ray. when you think all yeah. your friends own the movie, it must be a fun movie. Yeah. I think well, everybody's got it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so I ended up going and, and buying the Blu-ray, and I do not regret the pers- purchase, so... It's, there you go. I think yeah. I think that says that says a lot. So we'll be right back with a little bit of a spoiler section, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, we're back. Uh, we're in the spoiler section for G.I. Joe: Rise of the Cobra. Willie, I hear um, you. I hear you have a powerhouse to talk about. Oh man, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in this movie. Um, it was a bit before Joseph Gordon-Levitt started to become JGL. You know, yeah. like all the ladies love him and all that stuff. This was like right before that happened. Where it's he became pre-inception. Kind of a, it is pre-inception, which really took him to the next, you know, the yeah. next level. Um, and he plays the dual role of Rex, which is just the silliest name in the world. Um, it's really a triple role. It really is, because he plays Rex, who is the, the, the nice, uh, you know, uh, is it, you know, a friend of Duke, some sort of chemist or something. He's yeah. Like a science like, officer in the army. Yeah. And he's a buddy of Duke's and sister of the Baroness. Yep. Sister of the Baroness and all this. And, and that was what I had touched upon earlier was actually the relation of, of Cobra commander who Rex eventually becomes and Baroness and Duke and all this was totally made up for this movie. And I know it pissed a lot of people off, but <laughs> I didn't care anyway. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is hilarious in this movie. Yeah. He is so freaking sweet. Like, I I was the doctor, which is his second role, you know, like like before you realize he's the Cobra commander. Yeah. Um, for Halloween because he was so awesome in this movie. Like, I, I, I was seeking out the, co- the, the doctor <laughs> mask. I had to go, like, 17 party cities, which it was horrible, but I did it. Um, he's... You can only see the top half of his, like, from his eyes up. Yeah. And um, on top of that, there's some makeup <laughs> and, like, yeah. a bad wig. Yep. Um, and he just, he totally brings that character to life, despite the fact that he's almost completely covered. Like, I, I was totally into him the whole time. I'm like, ooh, this it, guy's sweet. You can see it in the way that he walks, too. He, he exaggerates what he's saying with his body movements. Oh, absolutely. He's yeah. a cartoon character in absolutely. this movie. He absolutely is. Like, every little bit, every, like like dramatic hand gesture and and every bit of eyebrow twitching and raising and stuff <laughs> yes. just at the right moments it's it's it really is weirdly weirdly good like this man knew what he was doing um and when when I had heard that he was cast and I heard the rumors that he was playing Cobra Commander I thought it was weird too I was like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Cobra Commander why why is this happening now if he was cast for this people would be like yeah JGO for everything <laughs> but at the time it was like the third rock from the sun kid why um <laughs> that girl on third rock from yeah, the sun that little girl um so no i just Did you see uh, the video of him on jeopardy that was on reddit yes it was amazing i'll put that in the show notes yeah that he <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous so ridiculous yeah. okay um but yeah no i mean he's he is so much fun in this and it really does harken back to to other great performances like yeah. this to the great you know the raw julias of 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 these type <laughs> of roles yeah to the Rawls and another one who oh. went there oh yeah I mean he really like you know Levitt 
for Channing Tatum, you know, Channing Tatum was much more of an up-and-comer at this point when mm-hmm. this movie came along. And so you know for him, he wanted to take this as seriously as possible because this could be his, like, his franchise. You know, like, so you can see him really trying. He's not great in this movie. He's gotten a lot better since. But he's trying, whereas Gordon Levitt's trying in a different way. Like, he knows this movie's probably not going to be that great, and he knows it's going to be super campy Actually, popcorn it's going to be awesome! <laughs> but, but he just... He just goes. You well, know he's I mean? like, like, I'm, I'm gonna leave my mark on this film. If even I'm if gonna be Cobra Commander, I'm gonna be Cobra Commander. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's so much fun. But anyway, enough. Just Gordon Levitt love. He's, he's awesome. He is the best part of this movie for very, sure. Very much. And so. he says nanomites more convincingly than any other actor will ever say nanomites. <laughs> so. All right, Nick. Do you have anything in particular that you want to talk about in spoiler territory? Um, I think. I think it's kind of cool that the movie is actually like a, a Batman Begins type thing for Cobra. Like, we do actually see the rise of the Cobra organization as we know it. Yeah. It starts out initially with everybody thinking it's going to be Mars, it's going to be this big villain, and even Destro thinks he's going to be the, the Darth Vader of this world, but he's not. He's no. just a, another pawn. That's kind of cool. I like I like how it ends with Destro, even if he gets his cruddy CGI'd mask. It's cool to, <laughs> to see him become Destro. Put into that role of, yeah, yeah. of the Starscream to Cobra's Megatron. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm bummed out he's probably not going to, or he's not going to be in the sequel, because Destro's one of those Joes that's in everything. So Yeah. He's one of the more uh, prevalent villains. And yeah, definitely. Um, I think the the whole Snake Eyes Storm Shadow dynamic is really sweet. Yeah. I think the way they set up the, yeah. the backstory between those two is really They have their cool. own mini-movie, really, yeah. in this in, in, inside this movie. Like, and they're they, going to explore it more, I think, because there's a, a kid cast as young Storm Shadow again in, in the new one I saw okay. on Good. the cast list. So they have I a very cool storyline, so I'd like to see more of that, yeah. Yeah. I think it's weird that it makes me kind of nervous that Snake Eyes' silence is a, is a vow of silence and not destroyed vocal cords like it is in the comics. Um so I read they were initially going to have like Snake Eyes tell a joke at the end of the movie. Yeah. And I was like, that would have been really wrong. He can't talk. But has he ever talked in G.I. Joe lore? You're probably the most In the comics, he has said one word ever. What was it? Scarlet. That was it, huh? That was it. Because those two are okay. sort of a thing. Gotcha. In the comics and not okay. in, in Do you ever see his face in the comics? Because they, they do not show you... They do in the... Either the IDW or the Devils Do continuity. They never in Real American Hero. Like, okay. like if Larry Hama was in was there, they would never show his face. Okay. I guess Larry Hama's in the movie too. I have no idea what he looks like, but it would have been he he's like a NATO officer or something. So oh, okay. That's yeah. Really no, cool. that's I read that he's not his his like the actual shots showing him were cut out of the film, but he's in the meeting at the very beginning where Oh, is he? Where Destro the is. Guy's a good writer. Um, it's cool that he was enthusiastic about the property being adapted to. Um, but anyway. I guess I don't really have anything else. I think it's... Mm. It would have been cool... I really love the Brendan Fraser bit. Because it's hysterical <laughs> to see Brendan Fraser for 40 seconds. Yeah. But it was cool to have, like... I wish that there had been more of that. Like, more of these little Joes just showing up for a minute at a time. Because that's the way the comics are. Yeah. Like, you'll yeah. go... And if you're like me and you're doomed to love, like, B-list characters in every property you love... The characters you love inevitably become hard to track down. You would look at their list of appearances, and they're so spotty. And you get those those cool Joes, like guys like Bazooka or Beachhead or, or Tripwire, that only show up every like five issues. And then it's for like a panel because they're like, oh, there's some landmines here called Tripwire. And then he shows up. He's like, hey guys, got it. See ya. Yeah, basically. And then it's the the, the regular main crew going on. So it would have been cool 
to see that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, who knows, maybe there would be some surprises in the sequel where we'll see a couple more mm-hmm. flit in. But in the sequel, it's cool because we're getting all the other regulars, like Lady J and uh, Flint and Roadblock. Yeah. The next, yeah, the, the rest of the guys. If, slash, maybe when they make a third one, it'd be cool if they could rope everybody back into it and then yeah. introduce even more. Days of Future Past. Yeah, Days of Future <laughs> Past and G.I. Joe continuity. Shows of Future Past. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be fun. That would uh, be cool. But anyway, I don't really think I have anything else spoiler-wise. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there's to say. Not much to ruin. Um, really, all I want to talk about. It's not. It doesn't even need to be relegated to the spoiler section. But. <sighs> uh oh. You're gonna detonate the ice pack and it's gonna crush the base below. <laughs> what, You're gonna what, complain about that? <laughs> what kind of What kind of ice do you have above you? Like, even if you have crap in ice. How how heavy does it need to be for the buoyant force of ice to not work out? Like seriously, do you do you have like a do you have a a neutron star encapsulated in this ice to push it to the bottom of the ocean? Is that is that what's happening? Is Mjolnir on top of the ice just pushing it all down? No. Alex, nanomites. No. Like just make it a bomb in the base. Don't tell me that the ice is going to crush the base that's below it. This is probably the worst complaint that's ever been filed. I'm just saying, like (laughs) it's awesome though. It's just like, oh my god, ice floats. (laughs) How do you not know that? I've never heard him be more loud on this podcast than right now. He's really upset. It's just, it's, it's insulting to the intelligence of anybody watching a GI Joe movie. Like seriously, I, I just, it's bad. I can't tell if he's serious right now or joking. (laughs) He's serious right now. I can't Um, tell either, but no, I, I. I, normally, I would understand your frustration with something like this. Clearly, but it didn't given, hamper my enjoyment of the film. True, but, but given the movie we're dealing with here, when nanomites can do anything—I mean, seriously, everything—anything that the plot requires, it's nanomites. <laughs> it's, am I wrong? Right? I mean, I'm, I'm not wrong. Like, no, you're not like, wrong. Hey, this guy needs to self-destruct in front of their eyes. Nanomites. <laughs> oh, hey, this guy's face needs snake. to change. Nanomites. Nanomites. Push the poison out. Push the poison out. Grab it. Grab the poison cells. And push them out. <laughs> right. It's it's pretty. Wait, silly. he's got a nanomite like moving mark on his neck that means he's a bad guy. Yes, you can kind of tell that um, that uh, Stephen Summers just discovered somebody walked up to him and was like, "Hey, have you heard about these nanomite things that people are talking about?" And he's like, "Movie, make a movie, GI Joe movie." Okay, good. Yes, but did he just discover the properties of ice? That's my <laughs> real question. Like these these guys here with 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 the screenplay credit. Why? What was their rationale? Maybe it wasn't real ice. Maybe it was fake ice to ah. cover, to conceal the base. Yeah, it was cement that was painted like ice. <laughs> but they got to float <laughs> with a thin sheet of ice around it. Okay, you guys have convinced me. All right, good. We win. It's all right. Okay. Fake I think, ice. I think that about wraps up our... Camo ice. Yeah. Yes. That, that'll wrap up our G.I. Joe uh, conversation for now. Until next week when we review John Chu's G.I. Joe Retaliation. Yeah, maybe real quick before we finish up with G.I. Joe, what are we all hoping to see in this in this one? Now that we've all sat down and watched the new one, is there anything you're hoping to see? I Just the fact that you told me about the Storm Shadow uh, Snake Eyes fight. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. down. That's all I want out of this movie, yeah. and if that's what I get, then I'm... Have you seen the trailer for it? No. Any of them? No. Nope. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I'm i definitely hoping to see... 
Uh, I don't want Bruce Willis to be in it a ton. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm yeah. getting kind of sick of Bruce Willis. I hope that he's got a very minimal minimal role. Um, maybe behind the scenes kind of guy. Like you know, I don't want to see Bruce Willis shooting a machine gun. Too he is much the only anymore. guy on the poster in a suit. I know. I know. <laughs> um, that being said, I, I I'm really excited to see um, more of the one on one fights. You know, I want to see... I mean, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes is going to be great, I'm sure. Just like it was in the first one. But I'm more excited... I'm excited to see, like... I want to see The Rock take on, yeah. like, a big bruiser guy. I want see to them, see... See them matched up. Yeah. You know? you know, like like the... And that's one thing where... Um, that you used to see in some of these movies where, like, each team member had his foil. Yep. You know? And, like, yep. he finally got to see him throw down at the end. I really want that to happen in this one. So, here's hoping. And I hope that it, it, it maintains the fun feeling of, of the first one. Um, but perhaps doesn't ground it in reality more, but takes itself a little more seriously, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, at least, like, a cohesive plot, which this one didn't really have all that much of. Um, I'd like I'd like to see a cohesive plot, but I do want it to go full-fledged G.I. Joe. So like, do I. Yeah, I want a cool plot, though. I want a, I want a cool... Uh, I, I really do want... Because Cobra always had really... Uh, you know, they were absurd, but they were kind of cool. Like, his plans were always kind of like... Well, the first, the ending of the first movie sets up a sequel. It does. Perfectly. Yeah. So, we'll see. I'd, I'd prefer that any ice crushing happened not in the water where it would actually make sense. <laughs> cloud crushing. The clouds are falling, wrong. <laughs> Didn't hit the cloud cap. Yes. <laughs> Nick, do you have anything you want to see? I mean, what I want to see, I'm probably not going to get. But, like I said, it would just be a, a huge roster of just, like, supporting Joes that just show up, like, yeah. kind of like almost like Hawkeye and Thor, like that kind of thing. It'd be really awesome if The Rock is like... But the the premise of the movie is that, like, all the Joes get killed, mostly. I think, like yeah. That. yeah. That's, that's like what a it sounds like. A whole bunch of them get killed, and, like, that's pretty much ruins my hopes of that. Yeah. But it'd be, it'd be cool to see more colorful costumes, like you guys were talking about. It looks like The Rock's going to have kind of a cool outfit. He's got, like, camo pants. A little less uniform, a yeah. little more individuality between yeah. the... Yeah. Um, but I, I'm hoping for just, yeah, more just absolute over-the-top insanity which from the one the one trailer that i've seen i think i've only seen the one it's gonna happen like there's just yeah. there's some awesome beats in that trailer lots of ninjas too please thank you yeah yeah we're definitely getting that yeah. i mean that you've seen that trailer right oh yeah yeah lots of ninjas, ninjas all over place awesome and a I'm very down. absurd absurd the kind of fight that only gi joe could have oh yeah have. Oh, awesome happens. all right so that's enough gi joe We'll move right into our food for thought. Willie, what do you what do you got for us this week? Um, Steven Summers always teams up with Kevin J. O'Connor. That's like his his it's his good luck charm. Like <laughs> he's gotta be in the movie, even if it's in there for like literally a minute of screen time. Yeah, that was sweet too. That was um, another G- classic G.I. Joe character they snuck in there. Doctor Mindbender. Mindbender. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so he pops up in G.I. Joe. And this this is not a uh, Steven Summers exclu- exclusive thing. Like directors have been doing this forever. So. How about your favorite uh, director, actor, you know, has to be in every movie. You know, it doesn't have to be in every movie, but most of them. Just go. Yeah. So, the one that I could really think of, um, it's interesting. Just the first that popped into my head for this particular director alone. But uh, Wes Anderson has a lot of recurring people in his... Mm -hmm. Particularly, I'm going to go with Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like Bill Murray, uh, he's not just playing the same character in all the Wes Anderson movies. Like, all of his characters have these very, like, interesting quirks and motivations behind all of them. Particularly going from, like, 
Rushmore Bill Murray to Life Aquatic Bill Murray. Like, you could, all the films that, like, all the Wes Anderson films. But what's unique about the Bill Murray-Wes Anderson relationship, too, is that Bill Murray, if Wes Anderson didn't have a role for him, he'd find some sort of, like, five-minute little bit part. Exa- yeah, yeah like, like Darjeeling Limited. He's yeah. just, like, he's in a boxcar. <laughs> and that's, like, the only, like, you see it go by, and that's about it. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's the one that I could really think of. And it just, you know, any... As much as, like, the John, the Johnny Depp, Tim Burton thing, like... We all know that they need to break up. Sure. Uh, Bill Murray and Wes Anderson will never get old for me. So. Yeah. Well, he's always finding new things for Bill to do. So yeah, absolutely. That's that's because that's what Bill Murray <coughs> wants. Bill Murray doesn't want to be doing the same old again. shtick. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, he's kind of partially retired from Hollywood for that reason. I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Nick. Um. The first one I thought of. Well, I thought of Wes Anderson too, but I knew I wouldn't be able to lock one guy down. Um. I really like, I mean, this one didn't really, it seems like Michael Caine is kind of becoming that to Christopher Nolan, where he's kind of tying him, bringing him into all of his movies. Yeah. I mean, since, obviously, not uh, not in Memento or Insomnia, but he's lately he's been on a real hit with him. And I thought it was cool that he snuck uh, Jeremy Theobald, who's the lead from Following. He's in Batman Begins, very briefly. And I thought that Who was Who does he play? Cool. He plays the guy in the Wayne Tower water control area who's, like, talking about how the, the train is The coming. mains are going to blow? Yep, yep. Yeah. He's the younger of the two guys. Okay. That's cool. That's kind of cool. I yeah. didn't know that. Um, but the first one I really thought of was um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in all of Paul Thomas Anderson's yeah, movies. Yeah, that's a good one. Because not only is he in them all, but he always has a pretty pivotal role, if not, like, a starring role, and he's always amazing. Like he always just absolutely kills it, and in uh, in Magnolia in particular, he's just stupidly good. Hmm. And then it was it was finally cool to see him work his way up because he's like in Boogie Nights, he's a he's a very much like a, a third tier character in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then he steps up a little more in Magnolia, and he's one of the main characters who crosses paths with like the two main of the ensemble. And then uh, in Punch Drunk Love, he's like the antagonist, and then he's not in There Will Be Blood. Which sucks, but then in the master, he's the lead, and mm-hmm. it's like this pyramid of Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> <laughs> growing to the top, reaching its apex. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that's cool. And the other one I kind of randomly thought of was um, Francois Truffaut made his first big break. His first feature film was Four Hundred Blows, and that was a movie with a child actor who was uh, Jean Pierre Layoud, and he continued to use him. He took that character and made like four more movies with that same character over the course of like the next like 13 years and he always had the same guy play him from childhood all the way up until adulthood and he wrote these he wrote these films about specific chapters in a young man's life like 400 blows was rebellious youth and there would be like teenage stuff and then adult stuff and it was cool that this character persisted along with this actor and then he used him in day for night which is like one of my all-time favorite movies and he was excellent in that but those two were so synonymous with each other that when Jean-Luc Godard the other like contemporary of Truffaut when he had a movie that he wanted Jean-Pierre Layoud to be in he like went to Truffaut first and was like is it cool if I borrow your boy that's awesome yeah and then he was even though the two of them weren't really getting along at the time he was like yeah it's if Jean-Paul wants to do it that's or Jean-Pierre wants to do it that's his it almost reminds me of like Ridley and Tony like I wonder if Ridley called Tony was like can I use Denzel yeah (laughs) can I actually make a better movie with Denzel than you've ever made with him (laughs) um I have a couple minor 
Mine are actually kind of the ones that make no real sense to me. Um, <laughs> uh, first one, Ben Affleck and Titus Welliver. Titus Welliver pops up in every Ben Affleck movie, and it's really weird. I'm like, how did you guys become friends? That's <laughs> like, a good example. It's strange, though. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, for whatever reason, he's Ben Affleck's good luck charm. I just want to know the story behind it, so... You, you must know. just love what he does. I mean, those it's very good interesting. character actor is like invaluable. Sure, sure, absolutely, and that could be the case. I, I just like to think that they're like best boys or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then uh, another one that I, <laughs> that I kind of like is uh, the other Paul Anderson, Paul W S Anderson, <laughs> and Jason Isaacs or his wife. Paul W S Anderson loves Jason Isaacs. He loves using him. He was in Soldier, right? Yeah. He was in Event Horizon. Yeah, he was in um, two or one, the first Resident Evil movie in a part where you don't see his face. You, he's covered with a surgical mask, but because it's Jason Isaacs, he's like he's got to be in this movie. <laughs> so that that's kind of a fun one for me too. Like, it seems like that happens a lot with comedies because because um, they're all buddies. Yeah, like everybody's like friends with everybody. And, and I'm thinking and of uh, Christopher Guest's movies. Oh, the comedy, yeah. the Actually, comedy that's circles. The one I should have singled out. I thought of Catherine O'Hara. And Christopher Guest, but also Tim Burton's used her more than once. Yes. And, um, yeah. The comedy circles are the Catherine relationships O'Hara. are kind of weirdly incestuous. Like everybody knows somebody, and they're all buddies. Yeah. And there's like this group of friends, whatever. Um, well, Martin Freeman in uh, Edgar Wright's movies, he's he was in Sean, and he was in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was not in Scott Pilgrim, I don't think, but he's like one of the leads in The World's End. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my my personal favorite. Um, is Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski. <laughs> what a destructive friendship. <laughs> Those two men, the, the relationship between that director and that actor has become more legendary than the films they made. Yeah. <laughs> because true. they tried killing each other more than once. I'm it's like amazing. actually killing each other. <laughs> um, there's actually a documentary about the two of them. Um, I watched it on YouTube. I'm sure there's a better way to watch it, but I'm not that savvy, so... Um, it is, I believe it's called My Best Worst Enemy or something like that, My Best Worst Friend. Um, and it's about the two of them. It's, it's almost entirely told from Werner Herzog's, you know, from his recollection of events. But there's some footage of, uh, of Klaus being pretty destructive on set and whatnot. It's very entertaining That's to awesome. watch. Um, and, and, and just, I find it interesting that the two really loved each other but hated each other so much i mean just <laughs> my just, uh my best friend klaus Kinski. my best fiend my yeah. best fiend yeah klaus excuse Kinski. me i misread it <laughs> yeah um it's it's fascinating and those two he he used klaus kinski as as often as he possibly could but it's interesting damn if they didn't try to kill each other it's very interesting it's so, like it's a good one i like to think titus Wilver and ben affleck had the same relationship <laughs> for whatever reason <laughs> Oh, oh boy. well, but yeah. All right, yeah. I it, I was trying to think of a few more, but I can't really think of any that I really want to. There are a lot of them out there, but you know. I know I'll think of a bunch later. Those those guys that slip into everything. And this is probably something we will come back to at some point. Tony would know a million so. of them. I'm sure he always. Oh, he would say uh, Ken Leong and Brett Ratner because he's in all of his movies. Yeah, somewhere. he is. <laughs> Weirdly enough. Wow. There's a there's definitely a lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton. It's the same way with TV too. There's always like you'll have Certain those showrunners that sneak uh, an actor into. They like collaborating, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Did John Hughes have anybody like that that carried over in all of his movies? John Hughes had a ton. I mean, I mean to be, I mean John Hughes in <coughs> movies he wrote and directed. I mean John Candy was a staple in a lot of his movies. Yeah. Molly Ringwald, obviously Anthony Michael Hall. Um, he had a bunch. Um, the the one woman I I can't recall her name for whatever reason. And one of his favorites was um, the woman who played in Ferris Bueller. She plays the secretary. Oh um, yeah, Edie McClurg. Yes, thank you. And she was also in. Um, and planes, trains, she's and automobiles. A, she's a prodigious talent, and she had she's very funny, and she had a couple other roles in, in minor, very very yeah. minor roles. So he was a huge fan of hers. Um, I know he used her a lot. So. I will just say, <laughs> Nick was thinking that I would bring up Joss Whedon. The only thing that like, the only real like cross pollination with him that I can think of is when uh, there was a point in time where Joss Whedon was the most unstoppable man, and and like, you know off-network TV shows because he had not only Buffy and Angel running, but then he also had Firefly starting on Fox. And when Firefly got cancelled, he basically like went and said, okay, I'm sorry you guys, you don't have a job for as long as I thought I would, so you know, Nathan Fillion shows up in the end of Buffy mm-hmm. um, and you get a little bit, you get some of um Oh, Zoe. Mm-hmm. Gina Torres shows up in, in, in Angel, and then I believe... Oh, Adam Baldwin's also in Angel. So, I, you know... That's he tries kind to of, find jobs for his friends. Yeah, yeah, especially <laughs> when he's like, I'm sorry that, like, I, I you know... Firefly didn't go on as long as it, yeah. I wanted it to, but I want you guys to be able to make a living, so please... And you guys are awesome talents. And Nathan Fillion... Nathan Fillion's character in Puffy is amazing. Yeah, very cool. Like, Caleb? It's... You you never get to see Nathan Fillion really play a villain. It's very cool to see him play that. It is yeah, and, different. And very different. Like the villain that you do see him as in, in like Doctor Horrible is you know very hammy and and uh, kind of he's he's not a villain. He's actually a hero. But you know he's the antagonist. Yes, he's the antagonist of the 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 musical. But yeah, I mean. I feel like Whedon will be one of those people eventually when he gets more like movies and things under his belt, mm-hmm. more projects. You'll see certain people popping up multiple times because there already is kind of like he has very many. He, he has a lot of hat tricks as mm-hmm. they're known. But um, I'm I'm down to see small bit parts go to people that have been in, in his previous things and like if they're like an Avengers movie or something like that. Absolutely. But we'll see. Um, I think that's about it for this week. Yum. That's about this. You know, we're done. Yum. Um, <laughs> gracefully done. Yes, gracefully done. The most graceful part of the podcast, the very end. The beginning um, and the ending are always a little rough. Yeah. yeah. Well, we do want to start, uh, you know, capping this off by apologizing. I'm going to make you apologize. Yeah. It's your fault. I mean, so. you know, I didn't budget the time properly, so we're not going to get to Kylex Y this week. But Every time. Every yeah. single time, Alex. It'll it'll happen one of these days. We'll do. I swear to God, we're gonna do a blowout. I'm gonna make you guys watch all three seasons of Kyle X Y. <laughs> the man has no the, belly button. The joke the joke will come to a head, and and we'll just end up you know actually reviewing it. That's gonna be the end of an era. It will be. Yeah. It will be. That'll I think mark episode 100 should be the Kyle X Y episode. <laughs> Can we make a pact now? Down. We are a fifth of the way there. So. Episode 100 is Kyle X Y. All right. If if we don't get to it before then, we might. Possible. Episode 100? Yes. We are on episode 20. So, so it shall be. Yes. Yes. That'll be, that's year two of the podcast. I really. like that. All right. 
Um, many thanks to my brother at Mr. John on Twitter for artwork and music. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, johnd1703. Willie is at hemowiliak. Nick is at Nick Blauvelt. Uh, the, sh- the the podcast network is at Midwest Podnet. Um, other than that, I think that's about it. Feedback. Feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. Send us questions, comments, food for thought questions. Uh, general hecklings. Complaining about how many times I say, um... Oh, yeah. No, make fun of us. It's a cool... Yeah, that's great. Any kind of feedback, really. <laughs> we like it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so next week we'll, re- we'll be back with G.I. Joe Retaliation. But in the meantime, go watch a movie. Thank you.